The Your Mark on the World show is made possible by our sponsors, including Gate Global Impact and media consultant Mike Schwager. Welcome to Your Mark on the World, bringing you another changemaker with champion of social good, Devin D. Thorpe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Your Mark on the World show. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe. I'm a Forbes contributor covering social entrepreneurship and impact investing. And today we have a very special guest. Uh, we have with us Jason Hewlett, the entertainer. Jason, thank you very much for joining the show today. We're thrilled to have you. Thanks for having me, Devin. I'm excited to be here with you. Well, you know, I've had the opportunity to, to follow your career now for five or six years, and it, it is just thrilling and exciting to see the way your career is is really taking off. Uh, your your fame and your reputation are growing so quickly, and uh, it, it's all so well-deserved. I think some people who see you probably think you were sort of born this way. <laughs> and uh, there's there's an element of truth to that. You've been working on this since you were six or eight years old, but, but there's also a part of this that people don't appreciate. You've really worked hard at this. Tell us a little bit about how you got started. Yeah, I've worked very hard at what I have, but certainly it's all direct impact of my parents and other, you know, other things, talents and gifts that we all come to earth with that we sometimes don't recognize or embrace. Most of the time we, we shun those things that make us unique to try to fit in, unfortunately. Uh, but at a young age, my parents encouraged my weirdness, and I'm grateful for that. Uh, I found out early on that I had a big mouth, and that became my calling card for years, the fact that I was the kid that would walk around and go, <laughs> it, it made no sense why I did that, but it elicited a laugh. And that became the first thing that I was known for was to make people laugh. I still am known for that today. Uh, however, I've worked hard at not just being the guy that goes I can also do other things with my mouth such as the facial exercises that people have known me for which has become my signature move these took me about eight years to figure out all of them should I show your audience them right now you better show us some of your moves so people know that we're talking about those who don't know you yeah so the dentist found out that I could I could keep my lip like that and he was shocked that I could control it. And, you know, you find out that you can do this when you're five. That's one thing. But to keep doing it when you're in your mid-30s is another. And so <laughs> I figured as a kid, I'm just going to do it and make people laugh. And when that got old, I realized I had to figure out the other side. So then I found out that if I practiced, I could do both sides and talk at the same time. And that <laughs> made people laugh. And that was part of my... My calling card. And then why stop there? I mean, what about adding in a, a wave like the ocean? <laughs> and, and people say all the time, oh, I don't have any funny faces. I don't have things like that that I do. Yes, you do. You've used them your whole life. You were born great. You were born weird. You were born different. So embrace it. I found out only that I was born with that and then I added that and then that and then that what about the bottom lip why not I mean that took me a couple of years to figure out <laughs> and then 
one day I thought, wouldn't it be neat if I could do my nose, if I could move my nose like the lady on Bewitched. And so with a little bit of practice, um, eight years it took, I, I finally one day could do it. <laughs> so so you didn't, you weren't born with a wiggly nose. You spent eight years trying to create one. That's right. And, you know, while other people were good at school, reading, math, that sort of thing that would be important at school, I was not. And it made me really struggle in school. But luckily I had a couple of teachers that encouraged the faces and said, look, you make everybody laugh in class, but you do it at the wrong time. So you're a leader, even though you don't do very well in school. You are a leader still. And that helped me to see that, wow, I guess even though I'm not the smartest guy in the class, I can still make a difference and partner with the teacher to teach the class. So my teacher, I had one in particular in third grade, Mr. O'Loughlin. It was at Parley's Park Elementary in Park City, Utah. This guy changed my life. He said, just be quiet for a whole day and I'll give you time at the end to perform. This was a smart man. It took me two months to be quiet for a whole day. And then I had the chance to come up and perform for my class. I did all my favorite voices and, and faces and the class went crazy. And I realized this must be my place. Well, that's cool. I'm glad you found that early. You had some early success in your career too. You ended up in Vegas at a very young age, uh, ready to have your career just explode. Tell us a little bit about the, your Vegas experience early on. Well, I was able to land a job with the Las Vegas Legends in Concert as a Ricky Martin impersonator. And so for those that don't know the Legends in Concert show, it's where all the top Elvises go. I call them the Elvi. And all the other types of impersonators that can really become somebody else on stage. It's an uncanny talent. I had the ability to do the Ricky Martin impression well, so I had my first job with the Vegas, Las Vegas Legends in Concert, and they sent me from Vegas to Myrtle Beach, uh, South Carolina, to Philadelphia. We kind of traveled all over the country, and I was doing two characters, uh, Ricky Martin and Elton John. So those are completely different artists. I had to dress up like them, sing like them, play the piano like Elton John, put on leather pants like Ricky Martin. And that was my first big gig with a Las Vegas experience. And within three years, I was done with that job, left it, even though it was really good money, and decided, you know, I'd rather do my faces and my other voices rather than just these two characters, which felt a little limiting. Now, Ricky Martin was a one-minute piece in an hour-long show. Elton John was about one minute in an hour-long show along with all my other impressions of Jim Carrey, Michael Jackson, Alvin and the Chipmunks, and so forth. And I created a one-man show patterned a lot behind a guy like Danny Gans or Gordy Brown or Bob Anderson, Fred Travelina, these great legends. And I was offered a contract in Las Vegas very early and was, was amazed that I could have such success so quickly. But there was a moment, I think, uh, when you were offered a, a special, you know, your a headline opportunity in Vegas that you passed up. Tell us about that. Well, what happened is I worked really hard, obviously, to make that work. 
And when the time came, there were a couple of different nice offers. I wouldn't say they were multi-million dollar offers up front. What they were, however, were long contracts that would help me hone my act and manage me and produce it and write for it in order to take me to Vegas to be the headliner they expected me to be. I was, I was being told I was the next Danny Gans. And for those that don't know Danny, he was the greatest impressionist that ever lived. And he passed away in 2009. He was a headliner at the Mirage and the Encore hotels. So I was given an opportunity to potentially be the next Danny Gans. And that was a neat compliment for me. However, as we, as we went into it and we saw that the money was there and the fame would be there, my name and lights on the taxis, uh, we also realized that the contract stipulated I had to make my show, which was G-rated for families, into an adult experience. <laughs> and since that didn't fit within my, my character or, or my morality, I guess, my message, my mission – my wife and I made a very tough choice, although it wasn't really that tough. It was tough to turn away potential money and fame. But we made the choice to just take the highway. And that's why you've not seen me in Vegas and you've not heard of me probably. And that's why I'm a corporate entertainer. I speak at schools for kids and I do what I love. So it all turned out. Well, Jason, you have really become fabulously successful and well-deserved. I mean, you've, you've worked uh, to hone your craft for really decades now, as young as you are. But uh, you've begun a process of trying to, or, or rather successfully, bridging your entertainment practice into a speaking practice as a keynote speaker. Tell us a little bit about your message. Well, thank you. Yeah, that's a long process because most people think if, if this is what you offer – or they're like, what are you going to say at our company? You know, <laughs> and I understand that. So this is a long process for me and for the companies to understand that there is a message there. The message is truly that we all have something that makes us different, makes us stand out. We all have a signature move and you have talents. I don't have, I have talents you don't want. I'll make you laugh in a corporate setting, unlike most keynote speakers can make you laugh. I'll entertain you into learning the message that, let's say, for example, if you're within the structure and you have to stand out, there is a guideline and a rule book that says you can and can't do certain things. However, how do we stand out within the framework? So, for example, Motown. This was Hitsville, USA. And I showcase it that, all these artists had to stay within certain parameters in Motown. And all they did was they used their voice, their sound, their look, the way they did things to be completely different from each other and make Motown work as an entire entity. Why we can't do that within our own business is, is absurd to think about it. But what I do is I showcase those voices. So I'll say, Smokey Robinson. If there's a smile upon my face, it's the tears of a clown. And then I go right into the temptations. Mama was a rolling stone. Well, well, wherever he laid his head was his own mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this wasn't long. Uh. And then, Stevie Wonder. 
I look up to uh, our buddy Ty Bennett, who was on your show recently. Um, I, I, I'm meeting people every day that I admire, and I go, wow, how do they do that? How did they create such a great business? And uh, one in particular is a friend of mine. His name is Jason Kotecki. And Jason Kotecki and his wife, Kim, started a company called Escape Adulthood, which I love that idea. He says that we all have adultitis and that we think that there are rules that really there aren't real rules. He's on his not a tour or not, not a rule tour right now promoting his book. And I have it right here. It's a, it's called penguins can't fly. And he's an illustrator. He drew the pictures in here, painted them and wrote this amazing book. It's selling really well. Uh, but Jason Kotecki is someone I deeply admire because his, his goal and his mission is to help people rediscover that joy and that fun, blowing bubbles in your milk, eating dessert first, that type of thing. And uh, he's a very important voice. I believe we'll be hearing a lot, of more, a lot more about him in the future. Oh, that's great, uh, Jason. I appreciate you sharing that. Now, Jason, you could be doing anything. Uh, why are you doing what you're doing, and why are you glad you are? Well, I have a strong mission. My mission is to bring joy to the world and to help with uh, people understanding that if we commit to joy, there is joy in commitment. Because when we when we go to bed and we say, I'm going to do all these things tomorrow, I'm going to work out, and I'm going to have a great day, and I'm going to be a better dad, and I'm going to do all my business, and then you wake up and you live through another painful existence. It's all about creating that joy for yourself. And I truly believe that all of us can if we're willing to embrace what makes us unique. And I, I, would rather, I would rather speak to youth about this for no money at all in order to help them understand that, that they can live any kind of life they want. They can create any existence experience they want. And what's so fun about your audience, these entrepreneurs that go about doing good, the thing that make and that drives them actually changes their world and the whole world as they proceed forward. That's what was amazing about Afghanistan. I saw men and women sacrificing their world to change the whole world. And we often think of it's just too big to change. It's really not. If we can impact one person at a time or one organization or inspire somebody, wow, if we can help someone commit to greatness, we've changed the world. Now, well, Jason, that is an inspiring way to, to look at it. And we're so glad you're doing what you're doing. The, you, you really are. Uh, for the few people who are watching who haven't heard of you, it may not resonate immediately that uh, you are so fabulously successful. But those of us who know you and have tracked your career really admire the success you are having. And, and we want to learn from you. I wonder if you would share one tip of success. That, that you would give to people to enable them to have more impact and do more good in the world? Well, uh, I, I think it all comes back to who you are on and off the stage. We all have that stage that we are on, whether it's behind the phone, making the calls, or it's if you're an entrepreneur, you're wearing every hat in the office probably to make your business work. But the question truly is, are you really going in the direction you want to go? 
can you really do that for yourself and make it happen? And I believe it's by embracing what makes you unique. So often we hide it away in a drawer and we don't bring it out. Some of us might be an artist and someone may have once said, hey, you're not good at art. And then we never draw again. Why not? Why allow others to say something that we could actually impact the world with in a positive way? And so as we start to figure out what we want to do, want to become, and our mission truly is. My mission is to be a great dad and to spread joy in this world. That's it. It's a very clear, simple message. And so the things that I do and say and write and perform are all based around that. And uh, sometimes I'm not happy, but I can figure out ways to become happy. And that's by being myself. I'm the same off stage as I am on stage. I really try to live that. And so I'm a nice guy on stage. I'm a nicer guy off stage. And I try to try to truly live that. If we're not congruent in our life to our commitment to what makes us unique, then I don't believe we've truly made that difference that we can. And uh, that's where it's at, Devin. Well, fantastic. You are congruent in every way. As one who knows you, I can uh, say and observe that absolutely. Well, uh, Jason, before you go, we're so grateful you came, but tell us how people can uh, connect with you, learn more about you, and engage with you. Well, I have a Twitter handle, Jason. It's at Jason Hewlett. Uh, it's spelled like Hewlett Packard, but don't blame me for the printers not working. Uh, as far as the as far as JasonHewlett.com, I have a brand new website. In my opinion, it's the best in the industry. Uh, videos to enjoy, and uh, I'm a master of ceremonies for many large events. In fact, I'm headed to Salt Lake City in just a moment to go do one, and I'm so thrilled for clients. This client in particular has brought me back seven years in a row as their master of ceremonies. So I get to add in the funny, the poignant, bringing people to the stage, make the CEO look like a rock star, which they should, instead of them running the event. And uh, I have a YouTube channel, Jason R. Hewlett, and I also have written a book. And, of course, the cover is <laughs> I'm Out. So that's my book. It's called Signature Moves, How to Stand Out in the Sit-Down World. And I've just released a new DVD called Father Time, which talks about me being a dad and, and the experiences that most men go through. And the women love it. The men laugh even harder than they ever have. And what's fun about it is that families can watch it together because it's G-rated, G-larious, if you will. So I appreciate your, your audience and all that you've got going on here, Devin. Thank you for including me. Thank Honor you, Jason. Thank you, Jason. Really appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. And we wish you every success in your career. Thanks, man. All right. <laughs> Let's do some good. At the intersection of financial services and social media, Gate Global Impact, GGI, uses new market infrastructure to facilitate investments in organizations that deliver a societal, environmental, and or a cause-related benefit in addition to a financial return. Mike Schweiger promotes authors, nonprofits, and humanitarian organizations. He also writes speeches that inspire and he helps prepare leaders for appearances on major national TV talk shows. Learn more at MediaMavens.com or TVTraining.tv. Call him 
at 954-423-4414. Thank you for listening. This podcast was recorded via Google Hangouts on Air and is available at youtube.com forward slash Devonthorpe. Subscribe to this podcast on Stitcher or iTunes by searching for Your Mark on the World. Every weekday, Devon hosts a CEO, celebrity, entrepreneur or other changemaker here on the Your Mark on the World show to inspire and prepare you to make your mark. Devin is a champion of social good, writing about, advocating for, and advising people who are doing good. He is a Forbes contributor who is a recognized thought leader in social entrepreneurship, impact investing, and crowdfunding. To book Devin as a speaker, visit devinthorpe.com. Learn more about Devin's work at yourmarkontheworld.com.